Merry Christmas, and welcome back to Blood and Black Rum Podcast's Festivus Series for 2021. It's been a tough year, and that's why we're bringing you all of your Christmas favorite films. Things like Black Xmas from 2006. We did all the other ones. Home Alone, a holiday staple. Christmas Evil, because you can't get enough Evil Santas. And finally, Better Watch Out, because it's free and it's on Netflix. We hope you tune in all season long for these festive Yuletide goodies. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from Coldsploitation.com, and I'm joined with my co-host, Martin. How's it going? Now we're doing pretty well. We are into the thick of holiday cheer, continuing our Festivus series. That's all month long in December, where we take a look at some very classic Christmas movies. And I say that, and then we're doing one from 2016, which is only five years ago. A modern classic. <clears throat> modern classic, that's right. And, you know, you can't forget the other classics that we've done, uh, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 4 <laughs> and 5. <laughs> we just do them all. We do all the classics. If wow. those aren't included on your holiday viewing during you know Christmas Eve when the family's all together, then then what are you doing with your life? Or Silent Night. Silent, yeah. Yeah, yeah the remake. Yeah. Oof. Just thinking about that one brings back bad memories. Blumhouse Black Christmas. Ah, uh, you know what though? We like that one kind of. We kind of enjoyed that one. Not. Did we? Yeah, you did. You you said you kind of liked it. Yeah. You have I to go did. back and listen to your own show. I know. Well, like I said, well, listen. If people don't know by now, most of these reviews are just taking the piss, and uh, a lot of these films are in one ear and out the other. If you were to ask me what I thought think of the Saw franchise, it's I mean I would say not great, but I did like Costas Mandalore. <laughs> yeah, now, and now you can't even remember them again. You have to do another marathon, which is funny too. Like I said, like some maybe like for the two hundredth episode, we'll have to like go back to like Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One, just to see like okay, it's been do, six do years we still now. Like it as much? Well, do I, I? Well, I don't think I liked it at all when we watched it. I think the only part I liked about it was warm side of the door. Mm-hmm. I think it was. But again, it's been so long, so damn long. Yeah, I'd, and in our our reviews would change. We it it could be completely different if we revisit it again. Who knows? But for this episode, for our festival series, our second one of twenty twenty one, we're covering a movie that, um, like I said, was was in twenty released in twenty sixteen. Um, I saw it one time back in 2016 when it first came out, when it when it hit uh, streaming, and at that time it went to Netflix. Um, it's not there anymore, despite what our intro says. You will not find this movie on Netflix anymore. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I hadn't really revisited it, and I couldn't really remember too much about the movie, but I ended up thinking that it was a fairly fine film again. Um we're talking about 2016's Better Watch Out. And what conjures Christmas like an Australian film? Austro-American. Yeah, combination platter. Listen, you know what? I'm going to take umbrage with the fact that this is an Australian film. I didn't see Paul Hogan anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the only way that the film could be possibly, you know, Australian if it's got Paul Hogan? Or kangaroos. 
One or the two. Got to have one of the two, or else I, it's, yeah, it's not Australian. I didn't see no Forsters. Uh, so does the yeah? So we were so it's an Australian-made film, co-production, but certainly set in the same time frame of Christmas in the you know continental United States, Canada, North America style because there's lots of snow. And we so one thing that I do like too is that sometimes the accents creep in. We get a little bit of a Australian accent occasionally uh, during heated moments or during during uh, turns of phrase. The Australian <laughs> accent creeps in, especially from our main protagonist Olivia De Jong, um, who Ashley. plays Ashley, the babysitter. Ashley's a perfect name for her too. Ashley the Australian. Super cookie cutter name for our protagonist who is basically living out the perfect lifestyle at this time. Though she's going through a rough patch during Christmas, moving away, um, having to leave her boyfriend, Ricky. Tough times during during the holiday season. Who in the two like 2010s would have their child named Ricky. <laughs> well, maybe that's a nickname. Like, maybe he like likes Luke, it. Well, Luke's like up there, and so is like Jeremy and Ashley, but Ricky, come on. I think they only leave that behind in the 80s. No one wants to be a Ricky. Yeah. So, had you, you had never seen Better Watch Out, had you? Nope. I didn't think so. Yeah, it's this kind of one that's been outside of your radar. And so. I, I only suggested it because I like the name, like, you know. Better watch out. Watch out. Actually, like, and I'm pretty like, sure like, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3 is subtitled Better Watch Out as well, which gets even more confusing. That's the problem when you get to Christmas, and particularly Christmas horror movies. You have lots of movies that, or or shows or, or shorts that sound very similar. You have Silent Night, Deadly Night. You have Silent Night, Bloody Night. You have Black Christmas. You got Black Xmas. You got other Black Christmas. You've got... Um, Silent Night, Dead Night Part 3, Better Watch Out. You've got Better Watch Out. You've got, um, what maybe else? That's, I was say maybe that's why they didn't use the exclamation point, because you're right. Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3 is, better watch out. Yeah, it's, it's that, it's that exclama- exclamatory statement. Better watch out. Yeah. Which, that had a Ricky in it, too. Wow, you know, just. Jeez. Everything's just coming so fucking full circle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so, like I said, it surprised me that this came out five years ago, because, because I haven't really thought about it too much since I saw it. I've only seen it one time. And this is a movie that you fare particularly well by with seeing it the first time. It's one of those ones where, like, you know, you see it the first time. There's the twist that you get. And then if you've seen it, watching it again, you kind of are already expecting certain things to take place. So that's an interesting dynamic that you will have that you were watching for the first time. Versus me, who I've seen it and I vaguely remembered the the plot turns and twists that had that it had in it. So um, we'll be able to talk about that dynamic: first watches versus secondary watches. So that'd be fun. Um, the other thing that I want to point out right away is that Better Watch Out um, came out around the same time. I don't know if it was the same year, but it was around the same time that Netflix's original film, The Babysitter, came out. And they have a lot of similar ideas at play. 
Um, there's uh, the babysitter doesn't take place during Christmas, but it is about the dynamic between a younger male character and an older babysitter. Um, and there are the main difference is in the twist and in what happens in it. They're both about like home, like technically home invasion. So babysitter came out a year later, uh, in 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So I say, I say, Clarify the Wikipedia is saying too for better watch out that it came in, out in 2016, but that was at a fest. It wasn't actually released to theaters until a year later, mm. which um, released October 6, 2017. Babysitter on Netflix was the week, uh, the next week, October 13th. So. Right. So, and that's, and I think that's why they kind of play together in my mind because I feel like I watch them, you know really close together. They have a lot of the same dynamics. They're very, very similar. Um, and yet they change it up quite a bit. But one thing that better watch out has going for it that the babysitter doesn't is it's holiday setting. And as we have talked about in previous episodes that we've done for Christmas, one of the dynamics that works really well for horror is to pair it with a holiday because you're going to return to that, right? You so you're going to return to, a film that you can watch every year on that same holiday and place uh, movies like Halloween and black Christmas really set the, that into motion of setting it around a holiday and getting a lot of mileage out of the elements of that holiday. And I think better watch out makes good use of that. And we'll talk about the holiday magic of the movie and whether it has enough holiday magic and Christmas spirit um, later on in the show. <laughs> Anything you want to add in the intro before we take a quick break? Yeah, just one quick thing. When you called our protagonist Cookie Cutter, what a perfect segue into today's beer talk. Yeah, but before we do that, we actually have a promo clip to run today. Oh, what's that? Well, we got a uh, we have a, a friendly podcast that. Um, was looking for uh, like other podcasts to collaborate with. And of course I said, yeah, sure. You know what? We, we would run a promo um, on our show because we love to do that. Right. We love to, to get the most out of other people's podcasts and give them whatever. You told told them that cost a six pack. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, but we like, we like to get, you know, give other podcasts uh, shout outs and things like that for whatever our audience can bring to them. I don't know how big our audience is, is really um, to like, to, you know, to give them lots of uh, exposure, but we'll do the best we can. So uh, we have a promo from the cult film companion, uh, which is a, another podcast about movies. And in this case, more about uh, specifically cult films. We do some cult films on here, uh, but then we do stuff like home alone and uh, you know, it's a cult film as well as a family classic. Um, we don't, tend to do a lot of like sexploitation on here for instance um i think li- listen if you're six if you've been riding with us for six years and if you notice by season like a year and a half in we started to miss the point <laughs> we we started out doing spaghetti westerns and jallos and then we we went to um uh cats marvel. and dogs and so. marvel and she's all that and yeah and uh west anderson movies so you, you get a mix of everything on here um, the cult film companion, they're doing more specifically cult films and, um, you know, we, we wanted to give them a shout on here and play their promo because, um, 
you know, they, they're doing good work as well. And, and maybe they'll cover some films that we don't get a chance to cover or, or haven't, uh, haven't gotten to yet. So we hope you check them out. Going to run the promo. Hi, this is Chris from the Cold Film Companion Podcast. The fine folks at the Blood and Black Rum Podcast have been very gracious in allowing me to take up a bit of their time to talk about my show, the Cold Film Companion Podcast. We are the home of movies that are off, under, and ahead of the cinematic radar. Some of the movies that we've covered so far include The Howling, Halloween 3, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, Dune for um the David Lynch version, Blowout from Brian De Palma, Brick from uh Ryan Johnson, and Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia as long from director Sam Peckinpah, as well as Blue Collar, which is an underrated seventies movie from uh director and writer Paul Schrader and Doctor Detroit, a wacky Dan Aykroyd comment uh comedy from the eighties that smells like cocaine. So this is about all my time. Again, we are the Cold Film Companion Podcast. You can uh, find us on Facebook, the Cold Film Companion Podcast. Hopefully the fine folks at the Blood and Black Rum Podcast will uh, link some of our website and Twitter into this uh, the notes for this particular episode. And I will return you to these very fine people and their very fine show. And they're very, I'm sure, looking forward, well, I personally am looking forward to the discussion of Better Watch Out. A highly underrated horror Christmas movie is one that needs to be seen. So let's get back to Better Watch Out. Thank you. Okay, so back to the beer talk for today. You were about to mention, speaking of cookie cutter, I didn't want to cut into your segue too much there, so you can you can take it away from there. So, how can we get... We already started off strong last week when we did All My Gangs. Everything nice. Strong Belgian golden ale with seasonal flavors. I know. Ho- a holiday hit. A holiday hit. That's, you know, great way to say it. How can we, like, you know, up the ante... Follow up that that beer. Well, Southern Tier. I wouldn't say up the ante, but they brought they brought some they a brought uniqueness, a unique, delightful experience that is definitely going to keep you warm during this nice, cold, miserable season. Mm. As we've already been a couple days in, and every day we get been getting up, at least up here in upstate New York. Four hours of snow, four hours of rain, four hours of snow, and then four hours of rain. And then four hours of snow and four hours of rain. And eight hours of both and two <laughs> hours of gray. And then repeat. So Southern Tier, um, I don't know how many beers of theirs we've done on the podcast. I think maybe one or two. Yeah. Uh, not a lot. But they are a New York brewer based in the Southern Tier region of New York, which if you... Don't know your New York State geography. That would be like the southern part of New York that connects to like the Pennsylvania region. Um, and they have a wonderful winter seasonal beer that um, I don't know if it's the first year doing it or if it's the first year that's been eligible up here because I know if I've seen it before, I would have grabbed it before because it's very interesting and intriguing. It's a frosted sugar cookie imperial ale. Now, I know what you're thinking, because I thought the same thing, too. When you see Imperial Ale, your mind instantly is going to jump to, oh, it's a sugar cookie stout. But you're wrong. It's not a sugar cookie stout. 
It's actually just a sugar cookie. Um, ale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I you know I I to be honest with you, I was just on their website too earlier. Uh, I'm gonna have to double check. I can't even re- remember what the hell they, what type of ale they would consider. They just said imperial ale. Um, they're calling it a strong ale, an American strong ale. So yeah, which you know, I've had with strong ales. I don't know that I would necessarily say that this tastes like a strong ale to me. Um, no. It just yeah, it like the the overall the flavor is what it you would call this beer. You know, you would say it's like a vanilla ale. Um I don't know if you would classify it with like a specific term. Um but the frosted sugar cookie, it was one that I wanted to check out. It's got a nice label on it. You know, very fe- nice yeah, and festive. Nice festiveness. They've got like literal sugar cookies on the label. They got a nice little snowman. Four buttons on it. I generally don't do four buttons on the snowman. I do three, but you do use Southern Tier. Um, Nice, nice evergreen tree sugar cookie. And you know what, too? I got to say, whoever molded these sugar cookies, they did a a fantastic job because whenever I use cookie cutters, oof, not good at punching them out. Chintzy. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. Not good at it. They, They always come out with like missing, you know, if this is a tree, there's going to be missing one of the, one of the, uh, little, branch sections and stuff. You did a good job. But anyway, this this beer as an Imperial Ale, 8.6%. And the one thing that I'll say is you certainly do taste the alcohol towards the end of the, the beer. Uh, that's what gives you that warm and fuzzy feeling. So if you're feeling, after, after you have this beer, you're feeling warm and fuzzy, you could thank the 9% alcohol content for that. Warming up by a fire. Just don't get too close to the fire. You may catch fire. Yes, but, especially if you like drink two of these in a row. You sit there and breathe a little bit. It's like you just had a nice hot toddy. It's going to be a... Yeah, I mean, I'm working on my second, so... But this you beer... lush. Yeah, I know. This beer is was really interesting. When I cracked it open and I, I had a sip, I was like... You know, when I first had it, I was like, I do not know what to think about this beer. I, I need to... It's, normally, I'll have a beer i'll take a f- couple sips and I'm, I'm already like rating it which is probably not a good idea <laughs> because you can get through beer like three quarters of the way and you're like wow this has gotten really you know yeasty or rosiny it's like burning my throat because it's too <laughs> rotten you know it's too yeasty um so you might want to change your rating but well see this is why we're not sommeliers because yeah we, we literally go just on pull, pull the old fucking day port port night but instead of like one bite everyone knows the rules with a pizza, it's one sip. Everyone knows the rules. Could it's, get better, but I don't care. Fuck it. It's going pretty, in on going yeah. in on tapped as is. It's pretty. And it, my my rating is pretty arbitrary anyway. <laughs> but but anyway, I, I I wasn't sure how to rate it, what to think of it. So I had to have a few more sips, and then I found you know I, I liked it. Um, it definitely has a a very sweet vanilla flavor to it on the forefront. Um maltiness uh it's got a me i would say a medium mouthfeel it's not as thick as you might expect like like uh creamy as you would expect but it's a very vanilla-y um sweet buttery beer um and and bordering almost on too sweet uh and i think part of that too comes from the alcohol content the alcohol content um adds a 
adds a almost like a cloying flavor to the end of this beer sometimes. Um, I don't think it's too overpowered, but I do. I wish that it wasn't there as much. I wish that it had pared down the alcohol content in favor of like the the softer vanilla flavors. But overall, I like it, and I think it's a really interesting idea that does conjure holiday spirit, which is what we're all about here. Mm -hmm. Um, I agree. I'm. I actually thought, to be honest with you, going in after you know. When I got picked up this and the Everything Nice, I was much more looking forward to this and the Everything Nice because even though I, as I've said a billion times before, I love me some nice Belgian beers, the holiday seasoning for the winter time is always something that's uh can either be very good or very bad depending on what type of flavors they're going with. Like if they're going with like a nice coriander and like nutmeg and cinnamon that could be delightful if you're going with like dry fruits then no so i do enjoy this beer quite a bit i think it nails the sugar cookie profile beautifully and it works incredibly well it's i think it'll, it it'd be really nice to see them do like a a stout version of this to see how that pairs too because i think that would be a really good inter- interesting t- thing too but i think a strong ale is works it works surprisingly well um you definitely do get a very, at least I do, I get a very buttery taste to it. Like you're almost eating like a nice butter cookie. Um, you definitely get sugar to it too. Nice sweetness. It does, like I said, it definitely does taste like a sugar cookie. I do agree with Ryan. I do think it's a little too alcoholic on the back end, but I think it pairs well with this in the sense that there is enough sweetness here to where, you know, the alcohol, even though if you're not a fan of having that lingering taste, does give you a nice warming feeling to you, a nice warming sensation, warms you up, especially on cold days like this. And I, as we were, Ryan and I were talking before we even started the episode, I think what would make this beer even better and make it into a new tier of even greatness is that they just did one little thing to change it, and that's add a little bit of cinnamon to it. Little bit of brown sugar. Make a snickerdoodle beer instead. That way it would pair much much better with the alcohol, the taste that it goes with. So I think a snickerdoodle version of this would be absolutely delightful. And I would rush to buy it and try it. It's one of my favorite cookies. <laughs> but I like this a lot. I do think it works really well. Um because it is so alcohol heavy, I wouldn't be running off to buy it in in mass. But I think you know, hey, gonna sit down and warm up and watch a movie. I have a couple of these. So, bear with me. What about lime sugar cookie? Key lime. I think that would work too. Right. Right. That that could that, be like a, that'd be like a nice like summer summery version they could do. Yeah, like a. Like a different version of this one where they, they add lime to it. Lime sugar cookie. I think that would be really interesting. I think that would work too. And, and you're right. I think they should experiment with this too. You know, they they've did an Imperial Strong Ale. Throw, throw it in a stout. Throw, do, a, for, you know, do the frosted sugar cookie stout version. Do the, uh, you know, oh, even better. Frosted sugar cookie milk stout. Just that, you know, that would be delightful. Super creamy, lactosey. I think that would be be interesting. They should make them into versions. That should be next year's beer. Southern Tier, if you're listening, 
We just inspired you for next year's Christmas beer. And no charge at all. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Only a sponsorship fee of uh, one year's worth of Southern Tier beer. Or uh, mention. That's right. Just, just mention us. That's right. Yeah, so check out the Southern Tier. I'm sure it, it Southern Tier gets around. So I'm sure you might have it around you. Um, if you find it, give it give it a shout. Um, it's it's a four pack, and you know it's not super hefty in price. And Southern Tier Two has a a fair um, amount of Christmas beers. This is not their only one. They've also got Old Man Winter, I believe, um, is another one that they like a winter ale that they made. So that's another one that they have, and I think they may even have one more. One more what? Sorry, uh, Christmas beer. Holiday beer. Let's say I ran off to grab another. Yeah. Now, I think they have uh, at least – I know they have the Old Man Winter Ale. Um, yeah. And I, I think they may even have one one other holiday Christmas beer. I know they just released a new IPA too. It's uh-huh. like new ha- the new Haze. Hmm. So check them out if you find them. And they're milkshake IPAs. Maybe I think that's what we did, the strawberry milkshake IPA. Could be. Or maybe uh, we just had it. But they're a strawberry milkshake IPA. That was very good. Mm. Yeah, we could have done that one. I can't remember which one we did on the on the show. I, well, somebody I think stopped. It was maybe like an say. orange. Was it with? Was it like an orange paleo or something? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I can't Listen, remember now. You did like 20 episodes where you <laughs> na- put the film title and then the beer on Yeah, it, I did, yeah. You, and you just got lazy and quit, you know. Uh, it just didn't work well in the in the title, but mm, you know, there's a whole bunch of episodes too. You got to go back and change the, t- the cards on because you know. Yeah. I uh yeah I used to I well I do put it in the liner in the show notes now, but yeah I used to put it in the title. We have show notes. Yeah, we have show notes, oh. and in the show notes I will be putting the Colt Film Companions w- website link and and uh, Facebook group link. So. Check it out in there. And I, I put a pro- I put approximate timelines in there too. Like I, we get very specific. I'm like, if you guys want to skip the beer talk, here you go. Started at 26 minutes. You don't even need to listen to our beer talk if you don't care. <laughs> skip right on over it. If you're if you're a wine connoisseur, you're into cigars instead. Skip right on over it. Listen, I, I'm very against timestamps. You listen to the whole goddamn episode. Damn it. Or you can't say you wa- you listen to it. Exactly. You li- you start from zero, or you didn't listen. Yeah, you could have you, missed a, a key joke in there that carries you, on to episode two hundred, and you won't say, get. If you didn't listen to all two and a half hours of our fucking Batman v Superman app or the Terminator Genesis episode, then you're missing out. I know. I bet you those. If we went back, they probably could require some editing, but who knows? <laughs> we don't edit. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, we don't edit. It, what you hear is what you get. That was a, basically the live session. Stream of conscience. Except for farts and bathroom breaks. Even then, if the money's right, we could record those too. Oh, I throw in the farts for free. <laughs> Patreon content. <laughs> All right. On to Better Watch Out with no exclamation mark. Should I should I preface that by saying, um, what's the what's the guy's name? What's the director's name? Chris Peckovers. Better watch out. 
Or is oh. this not one of those movies? No, no, because it's not. His name yeah. is not. I don't yeah, know. he doesn't get the. He doesn't get the the apostrophe on this one. It'd be nice if he did. Not yeah. well known enough. Be good that. enough. For, be good enough for his career. Like, yeah. That was, yeah, that was Chris Peckover. Better watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. I really, I really, I really do. I am. It's. I'm taking a point off this film off the bat for not having the exclamation point because I just want to yell it. <laughs> what are you watching? Better watch out. <laughs> it would have done it all so it would have done it good you you can feel the energy right away right from the title so we should talk about the the opening before we get into the twist i don't really want to get into the twist right away so well why would we do that i don't know why so would the, you ru- ruin it right off i'm the not bat. gonna ruin it right off the bat i'm gonna talk about some other stuff first so let's film, talk about let's talk about the fucking home alone music the Home Alone music. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't get a Home Alone uh, well, type sound. Did you? Yeah, with the caroling, like. Ring, da, 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 ring, oh, da, 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 da. That's, that's Carol the Bells. That's that's a classic Christmas song. <laughs> that's one of my favorite Christmas songs because it's so dark. It's like uh, Jesus was born, um, and then it's like almost knowing. It's like yeah, he's gonna die. He's gonna die for us later. The fact that you even know the name of the damn song is remarkable. I just knew it as the Garmin song, like, Gimme, 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 Garmin. <laughs> no, yeah, it's or, Carol the Bell. Let's say Anne from Home Alone, because, like, just like when Kevin's, like, running, like, Oh, in Home Alone, we'll talk about that. I'll save that for the Home Alone episode. I'll save this, yeah. We'll save it for the Home Alone episode that we're doing in two weeks. But, yeah, no, I love Carol the Bells. It's a very intense song it's a very intense christmas song it was i would say it's way more intense than trans Siberian orchestra how although they da- do their own version of carol how the bells. dare you the orchestral carol of the bells is intense as it is or, or even the acapella choir one choral arrangement is very intense and i love they've, it. they've been playing the same goddamn show for the past 30 years the last what, what is it the last christmas or whatever the hell yeah, it's called something like that they change it up a little bit but yeah I, I saw it one year. Saw it the law. Lo- oh, I say like the lost Christmas. Yeah. Um. Well, so yeah, we can start with that though. Better Watch Out does have Home Alone antics to it. It it it. It's it, an adult. It's an adult's uh, Home Alone. Film. Yeah. It. I mean, it. It certainly. You know, it has like the some of the comedic approach to home invasion and um, traps and such that Home Alone has. It certainly has inspiration from it. Um, and the the probably the opening, what, 40 minutes or so, is, is very much like a home invasion, adult Home Alone type movie where... Not only that, <clears throat> here's the ultimate... Uh, sorry to cut you off, but this is really important to get out. Not only... The biggest send up to Home Alone is that it stars Kieran Culkin's uh, long lost son. Garrett who is Ed Oxenbould? Is that who you're talking yeah. about? Is Garrett? Yeah. yeah. The uh, the stoner druggy drug guy. Ten year, ten year old. Yeah, he looks a lot. He could be like like he's Kieran Culkin's long lost son. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the idea here for the first forty minutes is like take a take a Christmas movie. Uh, like Home Alone, adultify it a little bit. Uh, you got the babysitter element to it that slashers have, and throw in home invasion, and that's your first forty minutes of the movie where 
Uh, it plays out pretty standardly. You know, you've got your your babysitter Ashley, who is alone with Luke, played by Levi Miller. Uh, they're hanging out. Luke's somewhat infatuated with Ashley um, to the point where you know he thinks he's going to get some on on this night, and so he's he's playing all the right moves for Ashley, thinking that she's into him as well. That goes awry. Ashley's not into him, and then there's you know a break in home invasion where they're targeted by a group of of people who are break in throw bricks through the window you know uh, kind of they come in and with shotguns and are stalking them and there's a nice little home invasion piece to this i like that element to it i think it does it pretty well um you know in the in the christmas setting really puts it into perspective that it's you know it's somewhat influenced by home alone somewhat influenced by black christmas um, and in that 40 minutes, I think you would be as a viewer, um, you would be understandably somewhat upset that this seems like it's kind of a generic approach that it's not, you know, it's not doing its own thing. It's kind of pulling from other sources and not really attempting to be outside of the box. What did you think about that for like the first 40 minutes of the movie? I liked it, you know, it was, uh. But did you think it was – watching it, were you like, mm, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, it, it's it's kind of like uninspired. You know, it's it's still – it feels like it doesn't branch out as its own movie. It's kind of drawing from others. No, you're right. But I think the people within the film make it engaging and interesting. Mm, mm-hmm. I think, you know, um, everyone in this film does a great job. You know, who who would have really thought, you know, two child actors would, you know, be that well. And then, you know, Olivia DeJong, she does a very good job as well. So even though as it comes off as, you know, for the first half of the film, it's your run-of-the-mill cliche, um, I think it's done well enough and performed well enough to it and written well enough to where it's interesting and engaging. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think that everybody does puts in a really good performance here. Um, I think your mentioning of uh, Kieran Culkin's long-lost son, Ed Oxenbould, I think he does a really good job as Garrett. And we see that a little bit more later on in the movie. Um, but at the beginning, I like him because he's kind of like – he's got moxie, right? He's, he's your stereotypical douchebag kid. Like, yeah, but he has like – he has he's not just a douchebag though. Like I don't get the – feeling that he's he's just a douchebag he has more to it than that like and there's some nuance there that you know yeah he could just be like an asshole but he does he has more nuance than that listen the, the one of the things that i was most remarked at was fucking luke's room holy fucking shit do you see all the shit he's got on his shelves yeah and how neatly arranged everything is yeah the whole Even- house is like that even for I know, but even for like a child of like eleven years old, like to, for him to have like all these knickknacks and tchotchkes, just you know, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of ridiculous. Like, oh, that's what you—that's what you think uh, like a twelve-year-old boy's room looks like. This neatly organized, but they do kind of make him out to be uh, uh, a goober. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's sort of uh. You know, he's he's put together and I think we'll talk about that in a second, why they do that and, and what that draws from. But um I mean 
I think that they did a really good job doing all the setup in here. I think the holiday element to it is done very well at the beginning of the movie. You know, you really get a, a feel for, you know, this is taking place during Christmas. Um, it there is it- there there is one problem with that. Oh, okay. You know how you can talk about, like, how do you know it's fake snow? Mm, mm-hmm. Well, in the fucking opening, yeah. uh, Olivia DeJong likes to drive like an asshole in her little, like, Suzuki Esteem or whatever <laughs> the hell it is with her fucking... I like too. It's 2015. She's still got like an, an old brick self iPhone, talking like an asshole, doing like 25 through this cul-de-sac in the snow. Hits her brakes and comes to a nice, slow, good stop. Yeah, and, and that's for if you live in the winter, you know that's horse shit. She would have went slitting right into that guy's ass end. <laughs> that cat would have been smoked. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that's true. The the snow is fake here. Uh, you know, noticeably wouldn't be, fake. Wouldn't be that nice, you know, like, you know, straight stop. Her car would have been, like, half-assward because she wouldn't have had time to, like, get to the steering wheel and, like, ah, you know. And especially the running out into the snow, it, yeah. you can tell. Like, like the footsteps in the snow and stuff. It's If you lived in a place where you get snow, you, you instantly notice. You're like, no, no, it's not real. Where's the dirt on the snow from the plow truck? Actually, there is that does happen later on though when he's turning up snow when he's being hanged from the tree. Um, Dacker Montgomery's character when he gets hanged from the tree uh, and he's kicking at the snow, you can see like there's dirt churning up underneath it, which I thought was a good detail. You know, it's not just like snow after snow, layer after layer of snow. It's like how how deep could that snow possibly be? Nope, he's churning up dirt there, which I liked. Thought that was a a good little tidbit. Um, yeah, but so the first 40 minutes are, you know, pretty straightforward home invasion. And then pretty quickly after that, it turns into a prank. You know, it was Luke and Garrett playing a prank on Ashley. Garrett is actually the one that had been like the invader. And they they put together a pretty elaborate setup of events that made it look like there were multiple people involved in this home invasion. And, you know, this is where more of the home alone for adults element comes in because um, there's like a whole setup involving like a, a paintball gun that shoots paintballs at the, uh, someone when they trip the wire. It's a, it's a nice little realistic setup that I thought worked to the film's advantage because it really sells this whole home invasion piece that becomes a prank. Which just makes you think too in retrospect, like, yeah, wow. Kevin McAllister really is a psychopath yeah right yeah right and, and the, the film clearly w- <laughs> is using home alone in perspective because the the opening uh dialogue between luke and garrett is talking about the paint can um element in home alone where he's throwing it's actually home alone uh home alone one yeah home alone one where he's throwing paint cans down the stairs and one they were wondering you know would that really would they really just be able to shake that off or let, you know, be knocked out for a second and then, you know, be like, be fine again? Or would it, you know, bash your head in and they wouldn't survive? And so clearly Home Alone is an inspiration, but I really do think Black Christmas is an inspiration here too, especially when they go up in the attic in the, um, the scene where there's the home invader with Garrett with the rifle. They go up in the attic with, uh, above the um, laundry room. There's that whole like window that's looking out into the snow and you know, you kind of get that feeling of black Christmas where the, where um, Claire is up in the attic 
So I really think Black Christmas is another inspiration here that they were using. Um, and not only that one, but there's the the caroling scene too, where, um, you know, there's a horrific scene in the house, and yet they're out caroling in front of the the house, not realizing what's going on inside. And that's pretty much the same as in Black Christmas, where there's the whole caroling scene that they come and you know there's a dead girl that they're looking for out in the woods, and here they are caroling, you know, trying to spread the holiday cheer. So it all sounds like to me. <laughs> if it wasn't intentional for them to, to have both of those elements to be like sort of callbacks to Black Christmas, then ah, that's it, that would be insane. Two things. One, uh, do people still carol? Is it <laughs> is that even a thing? I don't think it's a thing. Like, I think we lost out. Do you carol? I think. I think that lot like you know lost its um lost like people stopped doing it after like Dickens like died like okay like all right we don't need to do this anymore. Well, like, stand your ground kind of made it <laughs> potentially lethal to go out there like <laughs> yeah right. Oh no, castle doctrine! You're defending your home. Yeah, yeah, but um that and also why be lazy? Just get people who can sing. Because all of these films use the same, like I said, like all sounds the same. Not everyone sings these songs the same. Like, where's you? your where's your out of tune, like Tim? Like, just like <laughs> yeah, right. Where they, so you're saying that it's it's too unrealistic that they all sound great? Yeah, like, like, yeah, like one guy, these... one guy came and he wasn't. He 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 just wasn't on for today. Yeah, yeah, where's like where's Tim with like the bottle of like schnapps and like a brown bag? Like, ugh. yeah, wife drags like, me, dra- dragged drag, out by his wife, drags me out every year. Tim, Tim, you're going caroling this year, okay? Or just like going to <laughs> the Newport. <laughs> where's the over enthusiastic church woman yeah. who pulls out the tuner or the harmonica? Just like the little kid <laughs> Tim, Tim, it's, it's C sharp. Like in Step Brothers, like when they're singing "Sweet Child of Mine," and like his wife's singing, he's like, "No, no, you're off. Totally flat. Totally flat. Stop. <laughs> just, just stop." That would be a little. That would be more realistic. Yeah, it, 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 not everyone in this neighborhood can possibly sing so well in their kids. Because Lord, Lord knows if your family went out caroling, your oh, dad, yeah. like be yelling at your dad like come on Corey, try harder and he's like do my best can't hit that note what do you want from me so you hear that big hollywood movies we want to hear more realistic caroling people who can't hold a tune <laughs> we want to hear them singing and they're not singing songs like this that haven't been heard since 1874 they're going to be singing like uh Grandma got ran over by a reindeer. They're going to be singing the Christmas shoes. Mm-hmm. They're going to sing, like, you know, Je- a Jeff Foxworthy Christmas song. All right, so I guess we got we got to get into the... <laughs> we got to get into the twist part of the movie. What a twist. Which, which pretty much occurs about 50 minutes in, so it's a little bit over halfway into the movie where you get the twist that, oh... Luke is kind of planning this whole thing out 
And he is sick of being rejected by Ashley. And so he's going to basically pull an incel maneuver, took the red pill, (laughs) and... uh, Is that what that means? (laughs) Basically terrorize Ashley because she rejected him for for the last damn time. So So the interesting element about Better Watch Out is it certainly does... For about 40 minutes, it kind of shows Ashley and Luke as your protagonist. You know, they're not – certainly Luke is not an antagonist. And then right at that 45, 50-minute mark, the film flips it on you and it's like, oh, wait a second. That, that person that you sort of found some sort of uh, humanity in really isn't. And actually, we're going – wholehearted american psycho on this um which all, all it was missing was like you like huey loose news well and i feel like they were doing that in some capacity especially with like the baseball bat with ricky you know where he does his little dance in the in the hallway like like jerry lewis style dance um he like i think they meant it to be some something of like american psycho where it's like hey this Seemingly normal kid who looks like he's all together, you know, wears nice Christmas sweaters and uh, is very attached to his mother. And then he's not actually, you know, mentally well. And in fact, um, is because of the, a lack of association with his mother has, has kind of flipped things around and has become this crazy um, – you know, psychopath, or I guess I would say sociopath, who doesn't really um, feel like he can associate with regular emotion. He doesn't know what to do with his emotion. Um, and they kind of flip it around on you when you get to that point. And I think that it's a, a really good change up from the film because, as I said, for about the first 45 minutes, it's a good movie. It's well written. The characters are, you know, well portrayed. But it feels very familiar. And then you get to this point and it's like kind of flips things entirely on their head. Did you feel the same way? Yeah, but not only that, I'm kind of surprised you haven't mentioned it. What would Who would you call Luke and Garrett? Who do they in horror remind you of? Um, Who in horror do – well, oh, yeah, from Scream. Billy and – um, Stu. Stu, right. They they definitely have a very, very similar dynamic. And that comes to play towards the end of the movie specifically with Ed Oxenbould's very great performance as Garrett is dying. And he's like well, – after Luke shoots him, and he's like, I'm dying, man. And it's very evocative of Scream. Just like, missing him. I feel a little woozy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, should, that, which, 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 by the way, he should feel woozy. He smoked some dope and took some oxy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not feeling woozy from the blood loss, man. <laughs> yeah, but that that was yeah. I didn't say it, but I did think it. It's very evocative of Scream, um, especially at the end of the movie. And so you have Luke who really can't manage his emotions. He he can't. He doesn't really even. Be, he's not even able to think of like the moralistic element to it. It's just like, am I going to get caught with Garrett alive? Yes. Shoot him. Then he says, look what you no, mean no. to do. 
Well, no, he sh- he sh- he doesn't even shoot him because he's gonna get caught. He shoots him because he's touching Ashley. He finds him like not that he was even trying to cut her loose. He was touching her. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Did you see it as don't touch my woman, or did you see it as don't help her? No, I saw it definitely as don't touch my woman. Because I didn't really see it like that. I just I I saw it more as don't help her because I feel like. Though no, Better but- Watch Out does make that incel connection, I feel like the whole element of what Luke is doing is really not even about Ashley at all. It's about how this, how he's not able to connect with his mother, and so this will help him connect with his mother that he went through this trauma. Uh, I don't know. I don't think there's enough there for that. I don't know. I mean, and then well, and then you get because you get also get the part two in the beginning when they're he ties them her up and they're playing truth or dare and they're going back and forth truth or dare truth or dare and Garrett's like, God, you're not even asking me anything, you know? Why can't I play in the game and dare me to like you know? He's like dare me to like touch her tit and he's like, don't touch her. Yeah, she's not. I- I mean, I think there's both. I think there's both here. I think that he certainly is very, very unhappy that he's been rebuffed by Ashley and that as an incel, he cannot accept that he is not able to do what he wants with her. But at the same time, the film does really draw attention to the fact that his biggest concern is not Ashley because he does eventually kill her and doesn't really feel remorse about it. It's more so that he doesn't know why his mother stopped, um, you know, basically being so attentive to him. That's really what draws him in at the end where Ashley doesn't respond and she kind of just sinks into herself and keeps that a secret when he says when she says, I know why your mother stopped. Well, I think well, I think, too. Well, I I agree with that part, but I don't I don't like when it comes to I you can potentially see Ashley then as like a a stand in like you know uh mother figure for right. him mm-hmm. you know yep. because she's yep. the she's the one that's been babysitting and watching over him you know uh when we see them sitting on the couch you know and he rests her head on like his shoulder it's not like a romantic like you know like mm-hmm. lying the head on the shoulder it's more like you know uh motherly thing yeah. yeah um so i mean it's it's there but i don't th- i i I yeah, don't think I, agree. It's, I, I, I don't like I said I don't think it's too deep because again at the same time maybe they're trying to connect like you know all all these incels in life you know just have really bad mothery things but it's definitely taking shots at incel culture yeah yeah I agree I don't know that there's enough there that the film is a super effective about like the the Freudian dynamic um, I think that if we had seen a little bit more with with the mother outside of this one scenario, then we may have been able to draw more conclusions. Virginia Madsen is very good as the mom, Deandra. Patrick Warburton's even better. As Patrick Warburton is great as the father. <laughs> love Which it. I even, t- I even, <laughs> I love too. Which, you know what? In 2016, kind of weird that, you know, she's like, don't put those up. They're gay. And he's like, what? No, they're metrosexual. 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 And he's, she's like, that's not what it is. It's metro. It's like, even by 2016, that has like totally been like in and out of the popular <laughs> culture zeitgeist, yeah, and like in and out of like everyone's vernacular. Like if you ask 
mo- most people say, like, what does metrosexual mean? They have to probably sit there and think, like, oh, God, where is that on the spectrum? I don't know. Like, and it's like, no, no, it's something we said back in 2003 when Queer Eye was back on TV. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Virginia Madsen does a really good job. I just think that there's not enough here interaction between Luke and her to really definitively show the... She just seems like a drunk. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think she does a great job showing, like, her sarcastic, wry humor and sort of, like, aloofness. But I don't know that we get enough with the interaction between her and Luke to really say anything particular. The only thing that we get is sort of, like, hearsay uh, from the context of what Luke does and says. Like, he listens to a fetal heartbeat uh, as his, you know, his his night um sound machine and so that kind of is supposed to hint at like oh wow you know he's got some mommy issues or the fact that at the end of the movie he's sort of like cuddled up next to her while she's stroking him after you know she they find all the dead bodies in the house and you know that's really it seems like what he was 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 trying to get at is more attention um i think you're right i think they're poking a little bit of fun at the incel culture and saying, yeah, you probably have some mommy issues that are extending from how you feel now in your rejection. But um, I, I'm not saying that the film does a great job selling it, but I think that's what they were, were going for as a theme. Totally. It's because I, like I, I told you before we even started, I'm like, I didn't even look at any of the reviews, but was this taking pot shots at incels? Because it definitely felt like it for, you know, three quarters of the film. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it, yeah, they thought. It's like, okay, good. Wasn't yep. just me. <laughs> yep, absolutely. All right, so um, one thing we didn't talk about is all of the the gore and brutality that's in Better Watch Out. What do you What do you think about that? Well, there's um, not too much because we have a very incredibly small cast and a very small number, a small number of violent actions, but. They are effective. They're not over the top, but they are effective. And they're uh, less is more approach. Um, the whole uh, hanging of Ashley's boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, Jeremy. Well done. Very kind of cringe-inducing. And also funny at the same time, watching him do it from a fucking ride-on mower. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting there with his craftsman fucking rolling out, you know, and hanging the guy. But well done. The whole paint bucket thing is a great payoff to a line, you know, that you wouldn't think had any meaning. Like, you know, it was just like kind of a throwaway line earlier in the film. Having that actually in the film as one of the kills, very interesting. I think well done, too. We don't really get to see, like... Like, his head gets smashed in, but we get to see kind of the aftermath and the blood and the paint mixed together and tripped down. Very cool. Yeah, um, I think that that scene in particular is super effective in this movie because it doesn't show it. Um, and for the most part, you know, Better Watch Out is sort of – it's sort of like a horror comedy. It's, a, it's certainly a dark comedy in some scenarios. Um, but in that scene particularly, it, it, it gets rid of all comedy and it actually feels extremely grim. Um, it's very that, brutal. Let's say by that point too, we also are really seeing like you know Luke as a sociopath, you know, as he's just reveling and like I told you that you know 
Yeah, and and not only that, but I think it's because it's because we get the great interaction, or the great reactions from the cast who do a really good job with it. Because you know, at, at be, in the beginning of the film, you know, there, it's kind of loosey goosey. Everybody's kind of humored. Um, at that point, you know, you've got Luke who's really receded into the sociopathic behavior um, and does a great job with it. Very, very selling of that um, that feeling. And then you have Garrett and Ashley who you really just get their reactions to that scene where Garrett's like, holy shit, this just went from like a nice little like stupid prank to something extremely disturbing. And obviously Ashley as well whose boyfriend just you know got his head smashed in. And the really effective part of that that I can't stress enough is just the scenes where they're showing the the aftermath of it but not the actual gore that you would expect to see from a lesser movie that is just looking for the uh, like the shock value of it. You get to see really interesting details like his feet where the paint and the blood splashes down uh, or from behind where the paint can you can see is like, you know, still sitting on his head, but you don't get to see the actual gore. And I think that's really well done from this movie because it emphasizes the brutality and the disturbing nature of that kill that it it's not just like a comedic effect. It's a, um, it's like a, a, you know, a very dark disturbing element to the movie. That's again, set with that caroling element, which, which really reminds me of black Christmas. I really like that scene a lot. I think it's probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, like the film does have like a nice little subtle homage, like as we said before, which definitely adds to the ambiance and character of the film. It's yeah. like you know having these nice little like, hey, if you've been closely paying attention, you'll notice, you know. Yeah, and and then the other one that that comes up that it's a nice score effect is the the pencil stabbing to the face, which is another. Um, scene that is hinted at at the very beginning of the movie when they linger on the pencil that's been put under the rug you're like that's gonna come up again you know that's Chekhov's gun right there (laughs) it's a nice little element and then not only that but it kind of plays out throughout the movie because the pencil ultimately ends up becoming an important detail that he that Luke has to go and fix and then put on his door and it just becomes like a running theme throughout the movie of this one little pencil that has caused, you know, mischief for him. Which I really like. And then obviously we get to the end of the movie, which has, again, once things are wrapped up, Luke becomes technically our protagonist slash antagonist that we follow. He's the only one left. Um, after, you know, he kills everybody else He's got to clean up. Soul Scream Force ending. Yeah. He's got to get ready for his parents to come home and then pretend like he had no idea what happened at the during this, you know, murder-suicide that happened uh, downstairs in his house. And uh, we get to see a nice little twist at the, at the end that, you know, Luke isn't the only one that's still alive there. What did you think about that final shot of you know the police coming in and the last scene um 
I'm fine with it. It's cliched. Um, you knew at the end that I was just say you knew that Ashley wasn't going to be dead at the end. You know, they weren't going to just have like a incredibly bleak ending of like, <laughs> oh, it ends with him getting away, you know, with everything. Yeah, I think that emphasis on showing him cleaning up and like almost as though the film is rooting for him tells you like, yeah, no, that's not that's not going to be the end. That that can't possibly be the 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 theme of this movie. The, the, the take the take yeah the takeaway yeah. But I mean, it's 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 a fine ending. I wouldn't say it's anything spectacular because again, it's kind of wraps up neatly with the first part of the film where it's very kind of just uh, cliched and been, you know, trotted ground before where, you know, we see our heroine getting carted off in the ambulance and still surviving and, you know, potentially having to deal with the ramifications of the events. But to this date, we haven't seen what that is yet. Because we haven't had a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind it. I think that it has a, a at least a nice wrap up at the end. I thought that, um, like like you said, you're you're kind of expecting something to happen there. You can't possibly have an ending where you know Luke gets away with it and that's the end of it. And you know, oh, that's such a such a downer ending. I, you you don't really expect that, especially because that that would almost seem to indicate that the film has some sort of affinity for Luke's. Um, behavior in it but uh i mean i think it works it works fine enough and it kind of sets up like the whole halloween 2 sort of thing it's like well is he gonna try to make it to the hospital and get her before she can speak wouldn't that be just fucking ridiculous better watch out too (laughs) watching a little boy you know Going through a fucking hospital while everyone yells, "Evil dies tonight!" <laughs> it's they, it's uh, look, Halloween too, but set at Christmas time. <laughs> and that you know they look, evil must die tonight, and they look for you know the real killer as he's just you know slaughtering them all. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I would not. I would be open to a second movie, but I just don't know how they would end up doing it. No, because it's leaves you in very, very small uh, room to navigate. Yeah, yeah, which makes sense. I, I you know, it it would be extremely hard to pull it off. I don't know how they would end up doing it, but um, yeah. I mean, I th- I think the ending is is good enough. It's it's what you what what you have to get basically. It's it's the only only way that the film succeeds. Otherwise, you know, you're you're uh, empathizing with a sociopath. So. I really want that too much. Um, anything else that we didn't talk about? What didn't we get to? Do you like that uh, film poster? Yeah, I like it because it really doesn't give you too much to go off of. Like, you know, it looks like you're... It's going to be a slasher film. Yeah, it looks like your slasher, your typical home invasion movie. Um... You've got the Christmas element in there with the bulbs and stuff in the background. I like it. I think it's kind, uh kind of black Christmassy. Yeah, kind of black Christmassy. Yep. I think it does a pretty good job with that. So I like it. I think it's, you know, just generic enough to <laughs> leave you out in the cold and not realizing what the twist is going to be. Just be like, "Oh, what do, what's going on here?" Yeah. Absolutely. 
Oh, so one thing we didn't talk about. So what did you think about the holiday cheer? What did you think about how Christmassy is this movie? How, how is it festive? Yeah, it's got like decorations everywhere and the caroling, the fucking ins- goddamn incessant caroling. Um, two points off for the fake snow, but they shot it in Sydney, so you know. Which 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 city is this taking place in? Yeah, I don't I'm know. Almost, I, I'm almost assuming like Chicago because the cops that come in at the end have like the, you know, Chicago police style hats with like the checker caps. Mm-hmm. Maybe another reference to Home Alone. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know where it's supposed to be taking place. But... And why the hell is she going to Pittsburgh? That's the question I was asking myself the entire time. Why the hell is Ashley like? I'm I'm moving to Pittsburgh. Why are you going to Pittsburgh? I want to learn that Yinzer speak, <laughs> so I can sound like a Yinzer. We should do an episode where we just speak in Yinzer. Absolutely. You know what that is? No. It's the like, it's Pittsburgh talk, like their accent. They call it Yinzer, because instead of saying like you guys, it sounds like they're saying Yinzes. Uh it's also what they call Steeler fans, Yenzers. Yeah, I mean, I think this film is uh, is Christmassy enough. It's it's certainly uh, got a very you know uh, the set design is is good, very Christmassy, um, festive, nice lights, uh, black Christmassy sort of in, in the the stylings of it. Um, so I think it works rather well. And I say, I bring that up because some, you know, horror movies uh, that are set around Christmas is like Christmas is really in the background. It's really not a focal point of the movie or even like with Blood Rage, you know, Thanksgiving was the <laughs> setting. But, you know, you you if you didn't catch that they were it no, was like it on Thanksgiving, you you would Stop. know. Stop. Right. Don't, don't lie to these people. It, <laughs> it never it was never there. Yeah. So it's all it's all a dream. <laughs> so I wanted to point that out, you know. This one certainly feels like Christmas. All it was missing was like it's Christmas. Do 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 Christmas. The snow's coming down. Christmas. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Where's the episode? Where's Where's the Christmas movie from today? Where the Chris, the classic Christmas song is just fucking Mariah Carey playing. I don't know. Where's the Christmas movie with Delilah? I want the Christmas film with Delilah. Yeah, me too. Holy shit! That song came out in '94. <laughs> really? All I want for Christmas is you. Is that that old? Holy shit! Yeah, super old. I didn't, I didn't, I thought it was like later in Mariah's career. No, no, it's, it's old. Jesus Christ. All right, that's all I got for Better Watch Out. How about you? That's it. Yeah, that's about That's it. everything. We covered it. All right, so what do we got on the show for next week? I believe. Wow. Not even going to rate it. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to rate it. No, 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 no rating for this one. Mm. Wow, right. that's just all right. On a scale <laughs> of zero to ten, um, paint cans to the head. 
No, no. It was going to be uh, zero to ten. Patrick Warburton Christmas ties. <laughs> <laughs> what would you rate? Better watch out. Give it a seven and a half out of ten. Um, I think it's pretty enjoyable. Um, as tired and cliched as the premise that this film uh, originally sets up as, I think it does enough. Um, in the second half of the film to be unique enough to be interesting. I think the performances all around this film are very well done. Uh, very well portrayed. Keeps you engaged throughout the entire film. I think the writing in this film is pretty smart. So even though you're running into some very tired and cliche, you know, bits of like home invasion slash films, it's giving you something new and something enjoyable at the same time. Um, Probably could have done a little bit more uh, with kind of fleshing out some of the, you know, characters in this, like, you know, but I still say it's pretty enjoyable and probably, as you said, too, probably going to be something that's going to be more enjoyable the first time than in repeated viewings, because once you kind of get past the twist, I don't know, like, again, like how much this would hold up on rewatches. Mm-hmm. But for now, I'd say 7.5 out of 10. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I would give this an 8 out of 10. I think it's a really solid movie um, that has inspiration from, obviously, Home Alone, Black Christmas, um, Scream. And Scream, American Psycho. Psycho. Um, it, it, so it takes a lot, and then it puts them, boils it all down, puts it into a really compelling 90-minute movie um, that keeps you on your toes for like the first 45 minutes and, and shifts its tone quite a bit um, into the second half of the movie. So, you know, you're really kind of given a nice twist that, that works the first time. And then on subsequent viewings, you obviously, you know, the twist, but you're still kind of, you're viewing it in a different light. Cause you're viewing Luke in a different light. You're, you know, you see him more as like a sociopath who is consistently being able to, um, you know, f- filter himself and, you know, change um, the way that he's displaying himself to other people. And that is kind of interesting to watch too. So I don't know that a subsequent viewing is necessarily not as effective as the first. You're looking for different things in that movie um, that you didn't see the first time. But I think that the most effective viewing is the first one where you, you're kind of like taken with the twist and, and um, you know, you can run with it and see where the movie goes. I think it does a really good job with its gore effects, which are fairly limited, but still um, surprising. And when it, it decides to do grim and disturbing, it does it really well. Um, with the paint can scene particularly, that is a, a really great moment that the film does not – infuse a lot of comedy with which is not always the case because it is somewhat of a horror dark comedy um you know it, it has dual tones in it and i think it works really well in that scenario so overall i think it's a really fun movie to watch um especially for the holidays it's kind of like a adult home alone um and you know if you're looking for something effective for for the christmas season and you don't want to Go back to the classics, and better watch out. Certainly, to one to to look out for. 
All right. So that's our coverage. So now, what are we doing next week? I'll tell you what we're doing next week. Christmas Evil. It's Christmas Evil. That's right. Christmas Evil. Um, Have you ever seen it? No. God, no. All right. <laughs> All right. So it's another killer Santa Claus movie. But it's definitely, definitely different than Silent Night, Deadly Night. And you'll see why. It's crazy. It's a crazy movie. I enjoy it. I have a, a t-shirt with about Christmas Evil. I love just half these fucking films you expect me to have stumbled upon at some point in my life. Hey, have you seen like this D-list slasher film from the <laughs> 80s? Uh, no. Oh, okay. I don't know why you haven't seen it. Well, it wasn't on the ACM or anything, so. Nah, yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. It's, it's not one that you probably would have just been like, hey, I'll check that out. I wasn't like you. I wasn't fucking traipsing Fangoria in the mid-2000s. Like, oh, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, let's check that out. No, uh, it is a, it's a, it's a fun movie. It's crazy. You'll, I think you'll like it. I think you'll enjoy it. It's cool. So that, that's, that's coming up next, next week. So we'll stay tuned because we're going to have some fun with that one. Uh, you hope. I hope. And uh, just in one more shout out to the Cult Film Companion. Jeff, definitely check those out. Those guys out uh, in their podcast. Um, you know, always can get more film podcasts in your your daily life. So check them out. Um, and then you know, also subscribe to us, review us, leave us a nice rating. We're on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, our home base at anchor.fm, anywhere. We have a Facebook and Twitter page. Search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Give us a like or a follow. And uh, you can write to us at bloodandblackrumpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, what films you want us to cover, and we'll keep that in mind. Uh, Finally, you can donate to us on our Patreon page or through anchor.fm or I think even through Apple Podcasts now. You can donate to us. So, that helps keep the beer flowing. We appreciate anything you can give our way. Other than that, we hope you have a, a fantastic holiday season as we continue through the, I don't know, what, 24 days of Christmas. And you know what? Martin is now doing um, cameos for Carol of the Bells. So if you'd like to order a cameo <laughs> of Martin singing Carol of the Bells. You know what? We need to get rid of Goulet. After four, five years, we're gonna get rid of Goulet. Just have you do Carol of the Bells on there? And just keep making up, yeah, keep making up sound effects that you. Well, you you do a terrific version of it too. <laughs> it's it's more more like just syncopation with your mouth than actually saying words. But there are words to it. If you look it up, there are words. I know. Jesus but, okay. is born. Jesus is king. Some religious bullshit. It's not real. <laughs> There's a nice story involved with Care of the Bells. You know what? There's some some nice evangelical person who's just listening to this show. <laughs> yeah, they're like, I'm tuning out. Got through the whole episode about <laughs> incels and murder and everything, yep. and then you th- threw Christ under the bus like that. Yeah, you know <laughs> what? I'm out. They're done. <laughs> First and last episode. Blasphemous. During the holiday season, no less. <laughs> Jesus was born. <laughs> it's his birthday coming up 
and Jesus died. <laughs> <laughs> On that blasphemous note, we'll end our podcast. <laughs> Definitely tune in next week for our episode on Christmas Evil. We hope to see you back then. Take care.